My husband Mike is going to continue in our legacy series. Fantastic. It's wonderful. Special moment dedicating our children. Hey, just before we get into the message and continue our legacy series, I just want to give you an update. Uh, some of you might have been asking about what's happening with our one conference every year. In October, September, October, we have our, our one conference. Unfortunately, this year, um, due to 2020 basically being decimated, um, so has conference also. Uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, obviously, we had uh, international speakers that, that we would have needed to book and uh, we're not able to. Uh, but also, our Botany campus is being... Um, re, uh, renovated, basically pulled apart to be put back together again uh, to basically cope with the, the income of people coming in. So uh, we will be back to Botany next year, but there is no one conference um, happening this year. Uh, so hang in there, we'll get there for next year. That sound all right? In the series, though, we've been looking at men and women in the Bible who passed on a legacy to us. These men and the women, these men and women of the Bible were just like us. When you think about it, they were passionate. They were unwise, just like us. You know, they had dreams and desires, just like us. They did their best. They wanted to make a difference, just like we do. They fought the same fight. They faced the same temptation. They went through the same struggles that we face. Their Savior is our Savior. Their Holy Spirit is our Holy Spirit. What they learned, we can learn and we should learn. And that is our legacy. How many parents would be happy if their children didn't make the same mistakes they made? I think most of us would. I think we could kind of list a bunch of things that we did and we'd say, please don't do that. Now, I hate to say it, but they probably will. They'll probably make their mistakes. But I hope they make bigger mistakes. And hear me out on this one. I hope their bigger mistakes are because they've taken bigger risks. I hope our children do things that we've never done before. Isn't that our dream, that they go further and beyond anything we've ever achieved? But I hope along the way they would actually learn that we, that we would be able to pass on the legacy of the decisions that we made that caused us pain unnecessarily. I've got a leadership lecture that I take some of our Bible college students through in Elam called Failing Forward, Six Dumb Things I Did and What I Learned From It. Uh, there's about 16 things on that list now since I started doing it. It keeps, keeps adding, but I don't make the same mistakes in those same places that I did before, and I believe we can learn from other people's mistakes. I prefer to learn from others' mistakes than myself. Uh, today I want to look at the legacy that we received from Paul, the apostle. I want to give credit to Mike Griffiths from our city campus who uh, put a lot of this message together and uh, inspired this message for me today. But, you know, Paul's legacy was far-reaching. It was, it was of church planting. It was of church organization. There was strategy in, in his teaching. There was, but there was a deep theology that we now, uh, we understand our, our relationship with God and Jesus and Holy Spirit through his teaching. All incredible gifts given to the church. But there was one particular aspect of Paul's life that I want us to focus on today, and that was his leadership gift. He gave us a gift of leadership to learn from. And so today's message is called Leadership Lessons from a Thorn. Leadership Lessons from a Thorn. Leadership is a strange thing. Dr. Dan Allender, who was a counselor and author, he says this about leadership. Flight is the only sane response. Meaning if you're offered an opportunity to lead, run as fast as you can away from it. 
Because leadership is this fascinating thing. It's a terrifying thing. It's an exciting thing. It's a horrible thing. You know, all the emotions you can imagine are wrapped up in the journey of leading someone. Uh, occasionally, most of the time it's fun, but, but often it's not. Uh, I'm yet to take on the biggest leadership challenge ever, and I'm not talking about Prime Minister of New Zealand, but I'm talking about leading a teenager in our home. i got a sister, just started the journey. We're coming to you for advice. Can I get an amen to that one? Leading a teenager in the home. Come on. Woo! Love it. Now, here's the difficulty. That leaders are expected to be perfect, right? They're assumed to be perfect. Now, we don't say that, but we believe it. Why? Because the leaders we sit under, we expect to be perfect, right? So we expect the people that lead us to be perfect. And so, therefore, we then think that if that's what we expect of them, that's what we should be as well. Anyone sitting under a perfect leader? Anyone a perfect leader themselves? No, we're not. And we, and we have this, this sense that we've got to be a, a leader without fault, without weakness. But that's so far from the truth and reality for all of us. See, when a leader struggles, we wonder what the problem might be. When a leader has a weakness, we wonder what sin might be happening in their life. When a leader has to take time off, we start to wonder who might take over from them. And for everyone dismissing themselves, saying, well, I'm glad I'm not a leader. Let me see if I can just kind of tie us all into the same boat. Guess what? We're all leading in some shape or form or capacity. Whether it's in your business, whether it's in your school, you might be 24 on the picking order at work, but maybe there's somebody who's 25. Parents, I see the quality coming out of our children's ministry, out of our youth ministry, out of our voltage program, and I'm going, there's some parents in this place leading their homes brilliantly. In fact, I want to honor every single parent in this place that is leading in their homes. And you know, the, the ultimate calling, our mission in life, is to lead people to the cross of Jesus. Now, we don't save them. We have no power to do that. But if we could take someone to the foot of Jesus and say, this is my Savior. He will do for you what he did for me. That there is the greatest form of leadership. So what does it mean to, to live a life of leadership? The legacy I believe God wants us is to be disciple-making disciples. Making disciples of, and making more disciples who make more disciples who make more disciples. So we're going to pick up a passage that, that Paul shares with us. And he, he shares about a thorn, something that, that, that's happening in his life that, that he's not so happy with. And how he processes it. So 2 Corinthians 12, 1-9, it says, I will go on divisions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. 
But I, if I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, anytime we read a therefore, we read the prior section of the passage, and then we're now relating to everything he's just said. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, in order from, from me becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Come on, if anyone needs a bit of the power to fill in the gaps of our weakness, would you pray with me right now? And we'll ask God for that. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, as we study what it means to, to live with the thorn in our life, Lord, would we get understanding? Would you give us a revelation of what that looks like for us? Show us that, Lord, we don't have to run away from it, but actually it's part of embracing the leadership journey that you've got us all on. Lord, speak to our hearts. Settle our hearts. Lord, help us to get understanding as to what you're speaking to us individually, but corporately as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Paul, as he unpacks this, uh, this conversation, he talks about a man who's had these incredible revelations, these incredible visions. Verse 6 and 7, he, he kind of reveals, or a lot of commentators uh, you know, would say that Paul says, well, it's me. You know, this, this, this man that got caught up is actually, actually me. And he's, he's saying not only does he have an incredible history, family background, education and career opportunities, it's like everything is ahead of Paul. In fact, Paul was so confident in his ability, it even comes out in his language, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was at the top of my game. You know, I'd achieved everything that I could have achieved and everything was looking good for me. And yet he still has this closeness with God. God does miracles through him, shows him amazing things and speaks to him clearly. An incredible leader who's smart, who's talented, who moves in the power of God and gets incredible revelation from God. He's the guy that we want to lead us. He's the guy that we probably want to be. And then Paul confesses us, he confesses to us something. He says, I've got a weakness. There's a thorn. There's a thorn in my flesh. It's concerning, right? He's saying it's a problem he can't fix and God won't heal. And Paul only specifically mentions it once. But it's a big deal. He didn't just pray about it. He pleaded with God. Three times I asked God, would you take this away? Anyone got a thorn? And I'm not talking about the, you know, like a real thorn. You know, Paul wasn't walking down the road one day and got a thorn in his toe. And, and he's talking about the thorn in his toe. He's talking about something in his life that was causing him pain, friction. It was messing with his head and his heart and his ministry, and he couldn't quite work it out. And he says, God, it would be so much easier to follow you if you took this away. Anyone identify with maybe a thorn in their life? Maybe you can't identify it right now, but maybe there's a moment where you, you recognize something going on in your world and you'd say, God, it would be so much easier if this wasn't in my life. And he didn't take it away. Is it possible the thorn has a purpose? Is it possible that, that God's okay with the thorn? That, that maybe, just maybe, we can learn some things from the thorn? I believe we can today. Here's the first thought. 
the, the thing we can learn from the, the, the thorn is it looks small. It talks about a thorn in my flesh. A thorn is small. It's not a fatal wound. It's, it's not a big deal. Probably invisible to others. No one else can see the thorn in my thumb right now, can they? You know, if I had one, you wouldn't be able to see it. You know, it's just a little thing. It's, it's, it's not like I've lost an arm. I just, I might have almost lost a toenail the other day. Anyone want to see a picture of that one? That was, yeah, some of you might have on Facebook. Whew, it was too good not to show. I went into A&E and um, said, what should we do? Should we, should we chop it off? It basically bent up like 90 degrees. So it was kind of sitting, just popped up. You know, I'll just give you that visual image there. And, uh, and so it was like, do we chop it off? And she says, the doctor says, no, I reckon we can, we can flip it back over. So it's standing upright at the stage. I'm going, okay. She says, how do you want to do this? I said, really quickly, please. She offered me no pain relief. No, no, just, and, and I saw her holding pliers. It's like, mm. So she says, ready? I'm like, yes. Whipped it back over. Like, whoa. And fortunately, there were no bad words came out of my mouth. What's in you comes out of you. I went, wow. I think it was with the word that came out of my mouth. And um, anyway. Just a toenail. Just a toenail. And yet it, it affects us. It's small. The second thing it does is it messes with your head. All I could think about was my toenail. It was just a toenail. Just a little toenail. But the thorn can mess with our head. It, it can be all-consuming and we can make it so much greater. Anyone ever got that, you know, that little thistle, that little, little prickle in your toe or your finger? And, and it doesn't matter what you try to do. You cannot shake the fact that it's there and you feel it and it affects everything that you do. And you won't settle until you get rid of this thing. And it messes with your mind. Paul says a messenger of Satan. It wasn't even Satan himself. Just one of his minions. A messenger of Satan came to disrupt. A sneaky, frustrating, kind of a wear you down kind of attack. And as a messenger, he sent a message. What are the messages we hear? You're not good enough, Mike. You failed again. You're not what you said you are. You're not capable of leading. You don't have what it takes. Anyone ever heard those messengers? The messages from the messenger? What about Paul? You're not enough. You say you heal the sick, but you can't heal yourself. The third thing it does is it disrupts what you do. Paul says, it was there to torment me. In the Greek, the kolathesu, which, which means to punch or to hit with a fist. Now, we're not talking like a boxing match where there's, there's fear rules of engagement. Face to face, you know, you know the rules, and you know, it's, it's like this fair fight. I'm talking about the blindside hit. I'm talking about that kidney punch, that one that you didn't see coming. Just like, wham! And what it does is it messes with your head and your heart because you're wondering when that'll happen again. You wonder when that weakness will expose you again or that thing will just, just knock you over. So it's small, it messes with your head, it disrupts what you do. And maybe as I'm speaking, you say, I think I know what my, th- my thorn is. I-, I like the fact that Paul didn't actually mention what the thorn was. We all like to guess. Lots of commentators you know, had their very, various theories on it. Was it a person? Was it an illness? What, what, what was it? I like the fact that Paul didn't say what it was. Because here's why we would probably either get proud or jealous based on his thorn. It's like my thorn's better than his or my thorn's worse than his. 
A thorn's a thorn. And when we've got one, it affects us. But we can't make the thorn bigger than what it is. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to think that this thorn is the thing that will consume us. And so for you, maybe it's physical, maybe it's medical, maybe it's genetic, maybe it's mental, maybe it is a relationship, and, and it can be tough. I'm not denying that. I'm not suggesting we just go, ah, oh, it's just a thorn, no big deal. Well, well, actually, it is because it does affect us. But I believe there are lessons to be learned from the thorn that will allow us to leave a legacy of learning for others, for those who will follow us. My first thought today is the thorn keeps us humble. The thorn keeps us humble. God often gives us a thorn to stop us from being conceited. And that's what, that's what Paul said, therefore, so I didn't get too proud with all of my achievements and everything that I'd done and everything I'd achieved for God. This thorn was given to me. Count it pure joy when you get a thorn, a trial, a challenge. Never learn anything on the mountaintop. I've never ever grown my leadership on, a, on, the, on the top of success. Only ever in those, those winding valley moments. That's where the growth and the, the character is developed. Sadly, when God lifts us up, as he does, and rightly so, he promotes people that he wants to promote. He raises them up. But sometimes as we get raised up in a position or a profile, we can find ourselves in an elevated view, elevating ourselves. Go and look what I've done. Check out, well, come on, check me out. Look what I've done. And we think we're there. We think the pride, the pride creeps in because we think it's us that have, that, that's achieved it. And so we find ourselves in this, in this place of pride. Like, like Paul was probably struggling with that. And God allowed for this thorn to keep him humble. I remember when we were given the opportunity to lead the church in Tauranga. 30 years old. We've been in ministry since we were 21, 22, full-time in church. Um, we work with youth, we work with kids, and uh, we, we had an amazing ministry happening within, uh, in, in, in botany with kids, hundreds of kids, and uh, some great things happening around the country that we're a part of, and it was exciting, it was incredible. And then Luke says, we'd like you to go and be a part of the church in Tauranga, and um, what happened is the pastor ended up passing away with cancer just six weeks into our journey down there, and we found ourselves leading the church. But I thought, it's all right. I've read John Maxwell's axioms, his, his leadership tips. I've got this sorted. I just need to, you know, I'm just going to apply all of my leadership books that I've read, right? And I fell flat on my face time and time again, made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, and gradually... I, I didn't think I was a proud person, but I realized actually there was pride in me. And God graciously and gently allowed me to be humbled as I walked through learning how to, to lead and serve and love people. I'm, I'm nowhere close to complete. I don't think any of us can ever before we end our time here. But I know I'm a very different leader now than I was 12 years ago. And I, and I hope a better leader because of it. But the thorn can keep us humble. And this is why my approach for every conversation. Now, this is like a filter. I've just said, right, every time I go into a conversation that maybe it might be a bit awkward or maybe there's some difficult things that are going on. We've got to discuss some, some big topics or some tough stuff. These are the three questions I ask myself. 
do I love this person? Do I actually have a heart of love for this person? If I don't, if I'm angry, if I'm offended at them, if I'm upset at them, all I know is that that will go out to that person and they'll go, I'm ready to fight. Because if I'm ready to fight, so are they. So I ask that question, do I love this person? I might not agree with what they've done. They might not agree with what I've done. But if my heart is right as I go into the conversation, then we've got a chance. Second question I ask is, could I be wrong? Come on. We're never wrong, are we? We're always right. Of course, everyone has to just see my point of view, right? But I ask the question, what, what if this person can teach me something? What if they are going to bring a correction to me that I need so I can be a better leader and a, and, and a better, better father, husband, or whatever it is? So I'm asking the question, could I be wrong? Could I be taught something? And then the third, the third thing, that, and this is what I'm trying to work out. This is what I'm trying to work out is, what is the best kingdom outcome? Not what's the best thing for Mike or even the best thing for that person, but what is the best kingdom outcome? And what it means is that, that the conversation is leading towards the best for everybody, the best as God would see it to be. Now, that's helpful for me. It might even be helpful for you. But that's why I pray first. That's why I pray before every meeting. Because I don't have the wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing on my own. I need God's help. Thorn keeps us from being reliant on our own strength. See, when God gives us insight, it doesn't make us more important. It makes us more responsible. So when he lifts us up and he, he gives us an elevated view, it's so that we can be more responsible with the gift that we've been given. God says, I'm allowing this thorn in your life. This will stop us from getting proud, conceited, thinking it's all about us, that we made all of this happen. The thorn keeps us humble. Second thing is the thorn makes us rely on God's power. The thorn reveals that there's a gap. Come on, how many people know there's a gap between what we can do and what we're not capable of doing? And somewhere from there to there, there's a massive gap that we try to fill with all of our expertise and everything that we think we're capable of doing. And God says, you know what, I'll fill that gap. I'm going to take you from the natural into the supernatural. I'm going to take you from this place of not enough to more than enough. And that's what God is saying to Paul. And Paul recognizes, he says, God's grace is enough. It's sufficient to fill the gap that I can't fill. When you look at Paul with this thorn that he finds so difficult, this weakness, and, and it, it would appear that the weakness stayed with him, this thorn stayed with him. We don't see a moment where he, he, you know, in one of his epistles he comes in, and then the thorn disappeared. It would appear that it lasted, it stayed with him right through his journey. And yet he carries on to preach the gospel, to plant churches, to, 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 to do everything he did. And the lesson, the humility that we start to see in his teaching in Philippians, he talks about Jesus, and that our mindset, our attitude should be just like Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself even to the point of being obedient to death, death on the cross. There was something in Paul that shifted in his life. A limp, a stutter, a thorn, they're not liabilities or disabilities. See, when a leader has a thorn, it's not a problem, it has a purpose. The thorn that you have isn't a problem as much as it serves a purpose in your life. And listen to this, purposeful problems don't disable a leader. They define a leader. 
when we recognize what the thorn is, and we learn how to navigate and negotiate the thorn, remaining humble, we then begin to rely on God's power, not on our own. Thorns are often given to gifted leaders, leaders who could achieve great things in the flesh. Their charisma, their personality, there's something about them. We've seen them, I've, I've watched them, I, I'm in awe of them. And I look at them and I think, oh, <laughs> wouldn't it be great to be that person? And sometimes God just allows a thorn in their life so that they don't just reach in the natural, but they reach in the supernatural. That's our goal, that's our desire, that we would move past what we can achieve in this place to say, look what I did. And to God, what would you do if I trusted you completely with everything? No longer relying on myself, but the power of God. Paul understood this. He, he grasped it. It made sense to him. See, when Assyria was attacking Judah in 2 Chronicles, King Hezekiah and the prophet Amos are praying. King Hezekiah sends this message to the people. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. See, when a leader is powerful in the natural, they may never reach beyond into the supernatural and the spiritual. Maybe like Paul, you found yourself frustrated with the thorn. You know, found frustration with the thorn in our lives. Maybe we've pleaded for God to get rid of it, to take it away, and he hasn't. My question would be is, what is the purpose in the thorn? We know God can and he does and he will heal. I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've, I've seen God remove things in people's lives, whether it be a sickness or a situation or whatever it is. And sometimes, just sometimes, God, for whatever reason, says I'm going to allow this to remain because this will be the thing that will make you rely on me and my power. Interesting thought, isn't it? That maybe not everything gets removed as we ask and pray, but sometimes God says, I've got a purpose in this. As the team come this morning, the third thought is that the thorn reminds us of our mission. Do you know sometimes it's, it's easy to forget what our mission is? What's our mission? To go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That, that's our mission. And we do it in lots of different ways by running incredible businesses, by, by doing a job of, that influences and, and, and impacts people. But the heart of the mission of a follower of Jesus is to, to go and find people and lead them to the cross in everything we do. The thorn reminds us of the mission. Jesus, at the, the height of his persecution, just remember the, there's a gospel of suffering too. We don't like to talk about the gospel of suffering much. But when we suffer for the sake of Jesus, there is incredible power that's released. When we would go through the pain, the loss, for the sake of the gospel is a power that makes a difference in somebody's life when we can share a story of what I wasn't and then God came into my life and what I've become 
You know, Jesus at the height of his persecution, his torture. He had to face a thorn, didn't he? A crown of thorns. We're not talking a couple of little prickles from a rose bush. We're talking big thorns that were hammered into his head with a stick. That's what Jesus experienced. And you know what? You could, you could almost say that Jesus was tempted even with a thorn in the Garden of Gethsemane. Almost like this desire of, God, if I don't have to go through this pain of crucifixion, that would be nice. Come on, this is Jesus being real as a human being, fully God, but fully human. And yet there's something in him that says, I don't want to go through this. But in the same breath, he says, and yet not my will, but your will be done. That is the power of Jesus. And we can take his example. That when we see the thorn, we say, back on mission. I'm getting back on mission. My mission is to humble myself, surrender my life to God, and live my life to serve others. What an incredible gift we're given. And when we remember what we've been saved from, from the hell that we're destined to experience, there's a place called hell. We, that's the reality. God's desire is not that anyone would perish. But it's a real place. And for anyone who doesn't give their life to Christ, who doesn't surrender their life to Christ, that is a choice that they make for themselves. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what the thorn feels like for you. Would you surrender your life again to God? I want to encourage us. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I love this statement. Because of the joy awaiting Him. You know what the joy was? The joy was me. The joy was you. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross. Because of us. Because he did that for us, we can do that for others. Maybe you're here today and your relationship with God, you, you might say that you're far from him. Maybe you've walked with him, but today, if you're honest, you're saying, I haven't surrendered my life fully to him. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. I invite you to pray that with honesty, saying, God, I've messed up. The sin has been wrecking my life. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I need you to forgive me. I need you to save me. Promise in Scripture is so clear. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Would you do that today as a prayer to God? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living. I ask you to forgive me. Make me clean. Make me new. I start my new life today in your grace. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Maybe you've prayed that prayer for the first time. Maybe you're coming back to God. Maybe this is a rededication of your life to Him. Would you do something brave? I'm going to count the three in just a moment. Would you raise your hand at the count of three and just say, I prayed that prayer. Somebody's going to get alongside you. They're going to spot your hand. Come and have a conversation with you. Help you take your next step, putting your hope and your trust in God. One, God loves you. Two, He's got an incredible plan for your life. Three, right across this place, would you lift your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer. Anyone here today saying yes to Jesus? Yes, I prayed that prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would embrace the thorn. Lord, not be afraid of the thorn. Not focus too much on the thorn. But Lord, we would recognize that maybe there are things in our life that you've allowed to be there because there's a greater purpose. Lord, show us today. Give us wisdom. Give us that insight to know what we would do with that. Thank you for the blessing of the thorn in Jesus' name.